the issues that you face in your life, but I want you to understand this morning, you have heard the answer already. And the answer is Jesus. And some of us look like we don't know him. Some of us act like we have forgotten him. Some of us are living like we don't understand him. And today, I want us to pause for this time of worship of Jesus. And I pray before we leave here, everyone will understand what that song and the song before and the song before and the prayer before has told us in worship already. And that is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God made flesh, came to the earth, born of a virgin, lived without sin, died on a cross, buried in a tomb, and is risen forevermore. And all of that for you and me. Now, if you can't even turn the corners of your mouth up a little bit for that, then I want you to really, really listen this morning. I want us to step back and understand. You know, when I first came here almost six years ago now, this pulpit was in the sanctuary. And I, nothing against anyone in the past, but man, I love this pulpit. Because I was raised as a young preacher that more figuratively and spiritually than literally, I heard the old preachers, when they would stand in the pulpit, pray, Dear God, hide me behind the cross. Hide me behind the cross. It all, all matters based upon the cross. And so this morning, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke 23, and look at our view of Calvary. Our view of Calvary. May I say, Friday afternoon, I left Claxton on a cheese wagon with about 25 stinky teenage football players, a bus driver, and three other coaches. And the coaches, we always sit on the first couple of rows. And somewhere about the time we hit I-16, something came up about religion. And for the next hour, hour and a half, because we were going into 5 o'clock traffic and buses stop and go and wrecks and everything else, for the next hour and a half, we, for the most part, had church. It, it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. And, and God just began to move on those front couple of rows. And the bus driver, I could see him, never said a word. Never said a word. But he just kind of kept glancing over. And, and you could tell he was, he was trying to listen, maybe if we talked a little quieter or something. And he was listening. And we talked about different views of different denominations and different world religions and some of that kinds of stuff. But everything we talked about came back to one thing and one person. And that is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? And they said, some say you're a prophet and some say that you're Elijah. You know, people are still saying that today. They asked me, that's how it started. Have you watched this thing on A&E about Scientology? I said, yeah, my wife's hooked on it. I said, but I understand all of that. I had a lady that was the chief uh, apparel designer for the Sea Org that had left and converted, had been born again. We don't convert, we are born again, okay? We don't convert, convert from religion to religion. If you are here, it doesn't matter if you're a Baptist or not. It really doesn't. We talked about denomination. What really matters is that you understand that you are a sinner on your way to an eternal damnation of hell, lake of fire, the second death, where the worm dieth not, 
except by the grace of Jesus Christ, and he won't make you take it. You cannot go through life being good because you are not good. See, you don't know my life. No, but I know what God's word says about your life. And so we continued to discuss all this stuff, and it was just wonderful, but it kept coming back to Jesus. And I had this sermon already in rough draft, and I had it with me, and I was looking over it, and looking through some commentaries and things, and I really began to examine more in depth the view of Calvary. And so, you know, in anything in life, say at the football games yesterday, there, were, there was the view of the people on TV who saw the game. You know, those of you, you know who I'm talking about that yell at the TV. You know, like they can hear you. Or you tweet about it like somehow magically it's going to fix it. And then there are the, stand, the fans in the stands. And some can be very raucous. Matter of fact, at a Carolina Panther game the other day, one was arrested for assaulting someone. I had a, a, a great privilege last Saturday, and I don't know if you'd say it was a real privilege, but I got sideline passes for the Southern game. And the first half was great. Andrew and I, we were down, and we were, he's like, where are you going to go? I said, I don't know. I said, i tell you what, let's go to the end zone. They're coming this way. We'll see what happens. And so, one of, in the first half, those of you who are Southern fans, Wesley Fields, running back, had a long, about a 40, 50-yard run, 48-yard run, all the way, broke it, when, what they should have done in the second half, but they didn't. And he ran all the way down, just in, inbounds, ran all the way down for a touchdown. Andrew and I are literally standing with our toes on the back of the end zone, uh, right on the other side of the goalpost. So when he came down, he run the full length, Behind the end zone, high-five both of us on our way through, headed back to the sidelines. They kicked the extra point right over our head. Then we pinned them down, and I've got pictures. Their quarterback has literally got his feet against the end zone, and I'm just 10 yards behind him. We had a really cool view of that ball game. We were standing on the other end when they escorted the two off for targeting. They were not happy. Then there was the view of the officials who called the targeting call. They saw something most of the Georgia Southern fans didn't see. They saw the game because as an official, you have a perspective of it doesn't matter who wins or loses. What matters is we get it right. And then you had the view of the players. Well, today we look at Calvary much the same way. We can see the spectators as they came by to see what all the to-do was. We see the political crowd of the high priest on the Jewish side and the rabbis and the, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We see the Romans carrying out the crucifixion. But then as we narrow down, First of all, for those of you who are born again, may be in church every Sunday, but you're AWOL. You're not doing what God wants you to do. You're not representing the risen Savior who is Christ the Lord. Your view in life of the cross as much as the view of the disciples, for there was no view at all. For all had left except for John. And he was the only one standing at the foot of the cross. But there as we cast our eyes upon the cross, the one where Jesus hung, the Bible tells us in Luke 23, verse 32 and 33, there was also two others, male factors, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, Golgotha, the place of a skull, there they crucified him. And the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. If you have an ESV, what does it 
What word does it use for malefactor? Criminal. Anybody, any, any one of your versions say an evildoer? A criminal. That's what he meant. It wasn't just they were men. It literally means that they were criminals. They were wrongdoers. They were hanging there as punishment for what they had been caught doing. Now, to tell tales inside of church, there's a show that Becky and I got hooked on back the first of the year and made the mistake of telling Kara about it because now she is as addicted as my wife to the point she records it, and that's live PD. Any of y'all ever watch live PD? Thank you, Addie. It kills me. Chris, the things y'all have to go through, I mean, just the, the, the utter ridiculousness of people who are caught with stuff in their pockets, it ain't mine. Are they your pants? Who, somebody just ran by and you didn't even feel them ram $300 worth of dope in your pocket. Really? You know. Well, these guys were caught. They were red-handed. Red-handed. I mean, listen, you didn't need a body camera to know these guys were guilty. And so they were being crucified. Now, looking back 2,000 years ago, and based on what we heard in Bible school, based on what we've read in our own personal Bible reading, what we've heard from the pulpit, we know the one in the middle hadn't done a thing. I'm talking about he hadn't even had a bad thought. He never back-talked his parents. Not one law did he ever break. Never envied, never lusted, never had an affair, never did drugs, never got drunk, never... Never did any of that stuff. Jesus fulfilled the law. To the very nth degree of the dietary laws, the ceremonial laws, the, the, the laws of the temple, the laws of the tabernacle, everything about his life stood completely innocent. And so as we look today, let us start by looking to this side of the cross. Let us cast our gaze upon the blasphemous criminal. Look with me in verse 39. And one of the evildoers, one of the criminals, one of the malefactors which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. May I say before we go any further, Jesus is more than your crutch. Jesus is more than the emergency room. Jesus is more than the courthouse. Jesus is more than the outhouse. Jesus is more than the lowest point in your life. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And it's time that we stop being the blasphemous criminal. There's so many people in this world today walking through life, hollering out the one verse in the whole Bible they think they know. God says you're not supposed to judge. Who are you to judge when they don't have a clue what that context means? For all through the scripture he tells us. Listen, you know what? When, when Kibo goes out cruising timber, he looks at that tree and says, it's got pine needles on it. It's a pine tree. It has acorns on it. It has big acorns on it. It's a white oak tree. It's got them little bitty acorns that you sure don't want to step on barefooted. With them little leaves that's hard to rake up. It's one of them pin oaks or red oaks. You look out there and what we always love to use is war. Y'all know which one I'm talking about now, don't you? I can just say that. The, the one thing that falls from one tree that we'd use in the yard when we were playing war with one another. What tree? 
sycamore tree. Man, them things, listen, if there's of the de- a tree of the devil, them things, good grief. But you can look at what falls and know. You can look at a hickory nut and know what kind of tree. Am I right? You say, well, I didn't come for an arborist le- lecture. Well, I got news for you. The Bible tells us that we can tell each other's lives by the fruit that hangs from the tree. You see, too many are trying to live their lives based on a lie. And when things go wrong, things get sideways, they want to come back. They want to try to use a little bit of what they've heard along the way, what they know is truth, but they want to convert it into their form and say, God, I want you, but my way. You see, first of all, he was a blasphemous criminal as evidenced by his sinful hands. What was he hanging there for? He was a thief. Some of you, like me, have uttered these words. I can't stand a thief. Some of us said, I hate a thief. Right? Any of you ever had anything stolen? Raise your hand if you ever had anything stolen. Man, it's aggravating. How many of you ever stole something? Okay. Now, y'all ready for the altar call now? The truth is, whether it's whether it's a post-it notepad that don't belong to you, Pins that continually go missing. I'm gonna say I almost said a cassette. Now see, I'm I almost said. See, when you said Man of Sorrows, I, I looked at it. Elena, I said, "Come on now, Matt Tucker at least knows that old song." Well, it wasn't a Man of Sorrows I knew, <laughs> and I just was real quiet and thought, "I'm old. Just sit here and be old." You didn't return a cassette. And you say, ah, I just forgot. No, you remembered you just were too late. That's called stealing. It's called stealing. With a CD, an iPod, you downloaded music that you're supposed to pay for. Stealing is stealing. He was dying because he was a thief. Now, before you look next time when they break into your storage unit, steal your deer stand off a tree or anything else, I pray it doesn't happen. But before you start throwing words out, I hate a thief, be careful of the self-condemnation. For you see, this man had sinful hands. And the truth is, actions don't lie. Blue, what do they say in basketball? Ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. Your actions tell a tale. You can, listen, you can post the most wonderful, spiritual, little, pithy sayings on Facebook, but your life doesn't lie. It doesn't lie. Teenagers, your life doesn't lie. You can go to every youth group, go to every huge camp from here to eternity, but actions don't lie. And you can blame it on the issue. We're getting to that. He was a blasphemous criminal because, you see, his whole life had been spent with sinful hands. Point is, as we begin, you're either going, listen, you're, you're one of these two. Now, both of them were criminals. But we've got to decide which view we're looking from. You see, he looked with sinful hands. But here, I really want you to get this. This blasphemous criminal looked with a superficial head. Well, we're smart in 2017. We're so smart. We even call our phones smart. They're inanimate objects. You're only smart if you can use it. Other than that, it's just a paperweight. If you've ever dropped it in the water, It's useless, right? It's useless. But if you start understanding, if you don't, 
Come early. Have a little money in your hand. Come early on Wednesday night or be willing to stay a little after and come to the youth. They will show you how to use it. Because, you know, you realize after graduation, they disappear for a couple weeks. You don't see them. They, they're really having surgery to have them removed from their hands. The truth is, this phone's not smart. It's the technology through it. And we think we're so smart. Man, we're so smart. We can outsmart our parents. I went on a senior trip. What I did on my senior trip beat me from Daytona back to Powder Springs before I made it home. And that was before cell phones and the Internet, of which my daddy don't use either one still to this day. But the word got back. Now, there's some things my daddy probably doesn't still know. And I don't say that with any kind of pride. But the truth is, the one that hung on the cross knew everything about this man's life. Jeremiah said, before I was in my mother's womb, or God said, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. First hand, God said, I knew you. You see, there's this superficial head. He literally, look, look at verse 39. And one of the male factors which hung railed on him. The word rail is in the Greek is in the imperfect tense, which demands it be in the uh, indicative mood. In other words, the mood indicates something. It tells us it's a continuous action of blasphemy. It's something he's been doing and continues to do. Something about our life is indicative. Is, are we indicative of praise or are we indicative of blasphemy? You can't live one way on Friday and Saturday night and expect to meet with God on Sunday. Our lives are indicative. It was a superficial head because, listen, what he was doing was he was questioning Jesus' validity. Or if you really are the Son of God. Some of us are saying, oh, well, if you're God, then you're the God of love. Have you ever heard, if, if he's God and he's so good, why, do, why, why is there poor people? And why does, why does kids starve to death? That's always the one they throw out. That's the easiest answer in the Bible. Because they're sinners. You may, oh, they love it then. Boy, they got you cornered up. They see, there's no God. I got, uh, man, that kid's not. For all have sinned. But here's the deal. We do not become sinners because we sin. We sin because we are born sinners. And they may not have committed a direct sin, but every person born in this world except for Jesus, and I mean him only, not Mary, not James, not Jude, not anyone else, Jesus is the only one born without sin. Amen? And so we cannot come to a point where we start questioning Jesus' validity. There's a difference. We talked about this Wednesday night crowd. It's okay to question God, right? It's okay if you're willing to hear what he's got to say. That's not what this criminal was doing. He was questioning his very validity, whether he was really God. Or, if you're really God, why would you allow this to happen? Listen, I want you to understand. God didn't create evil. Evil is the corruption of that which is good. It's not the absence of good. It's the corruption of good. And that came by man's will. We chose to disobey. Eve was deceived. Adam disobeyed. And in that sin of Adam, sin has passed upon all mankind. He questioned his validity because of this superficial head. But then he plotted to defer his guilt. How many of us are living in denial? He was hours, if not minutes, away from death. And he deferred his guilt. Well, that's, that Bible, that part of the Bible was written 2,000 years ago. Cultures changed. God's word hadn't. 
God's word's not changed. I've got news for you. God's word's just as real and exact and unchanging as the day that Moses declared the salvation of God standing at the Red Sea. It's the same as when God spoke to Adam, Eve, and the serpent and declared that a Savior would come one day. When he cursed man, and he cursed woman, and he cursed the serpent. It's the same word that we read today. And it has not changed. You can't defer guilt. You can, listen, we go to psychologists and psychiatrists, and listen, there's a place for mental health, I get all that. But everything in your life is not somebody else's fault. Quiet right there. Crickets. Well, it was that one bad teacher. My daddy didn't do this. My mama did this. My boss does that. You ever heard somebody say, well, they ain't going to, it ain't really stealing because they don't pay me enough. then quit because you're stealing. If you don't work eight hours for eight hours pay, you're a thief. I'm guilty. We rationalize and we justify and we live in denial. And this criminal looked over there and said, you know, really? How about this one? Hey, compared to all them other people, I'm good. Can I tell you? Ground's level at the foot of the cross, right? And as far as I can tell, there's no hills in hell either. I don't believe they'll stand around and say, You were worse. No, you were. No, they'll scream in agony. Forevermore. Are you willing to risk your eternity based on the pecking order that you think you exist in? When the fact is there's one head and everybody else. We defer guilt. But listen, in this superficial head of thinking, he planned for just the moment. Oh, we used to, and it's on the wall of our high school. Carpe diem. Why are Americans so enthralled with the most vulgar language the world's ever known? Latin. Thus, Jerome's Vulgate. It was considered the vulgar language. I say that in the, the picture of it. But we love to use Latin words, and we used to throw that out, and then we sound really smart. Sometimes when I'm signing a letter, official letter, church letterhead, I'll sign Los Deo. Why don't I put English? I speak English. Things to God be the glory. It's written on the top of the Washington Monument. That's where I originally got it from. But the truth is, I could just say to God be the glory. But no, I want to sound smart. So I put Los Deo. Carpe diem, seize the day. You know, we started saying that. It's kind of fell out of culture the last couple of years, but you remember what it was? You remember how we said it in English? YOLO. You only live once. Live it up. Live it up. For tomorrow we die. That's what they said in the Bible. Church, the truth is, he was dying in rejection. Some people are living like they'll never die. And they're living for the moment. Understanding. That they don't care. Or they choose to ignore it, but reality states that they're dying in rejection. Understand something. Many expect Jesus, listen to this. You want a good quote? You know something to text out today? Many expect Jesus to save them in their sin. When he doesn't, they don't want him at all. Oh, well, God just understands my heart. 
I'm going to tell you what Jesus understands. He understands that you'll die and go to hell without the precious blood he shed for all of your sin. And Paul tells us that when we come to the cross, that we come and we lay all of our sins before his feet, knowing he died for all of it, and then we turn and we don't go back. He was dying in rejection, not of his sin, but dying of rejection of the Savior for his sin. And then a spiteful heart. Listen, he said he railed on him. Can I tell you what really gets my goat? What really drives me crazy? I'm just, I'm just going to tell you. Whether you want to hear or not. Still October, Pastor Appreciation, so I'm going to take this leave. I can not stand to hear someone claim Christ in one breath and curse him with another. And it is time, if you're sitting in this room and you justify the filthy, vile language that, listen, you kiss your mother with that same mouth, and it's just because culture has says the F-bomb don't matter anymore, you claim to know Jesus Christ, and you curse God, do you understand you're cursing yourself when you say GD? For God cannot be damned, for he is God. He railed upon the Savior who could change his life, and he cursed him. It was a spiteful heart, and I got news for you. You say, oh, I just messed up. The Bible tells me your mouth tells the world what your heart really is. Matthew 12, 34. He called those people who do it a generation of vipers. He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he tells us later in God's word that out of the same fountain cannot come sweet and bitter water, nor can blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. This is where we live right here. I know it is. I know it is. Now I've already, listen, I had one of those mouths. Never heard it in my house. Never. My daddy don't like slang words. And my daddy would tell me like this. He said, son, I didn't get out of seventh grade, and I'm smart enough to use words bigger than four letters. Huh? Come on now. And if you think it makes you cool or tough, and I'm going to tell you, I hear girls just as bad, if not worse, than guys. Me and Andrew, when we left the game, there was one girl, I don't know, I, I didn't even look over there. I was afraid of seeing one of those creepy Satan clowns because it was, I could just feel the evil. But this girl, and I, I just mentioned it, and I said, boy, I bet her mom is proud of her. Hey, you may do it when nobody else is watching. You think. But you see, Jesus heard every word. And he heard, hears everything that comes out of our... And you may not even say it out loud. Sometimes you get so mad you want to say it, but you don't. But you write it down in your heart. We must be careful not to develop a spiteful heart. He was mad. He didn't get his way. He didn't get his way. How many of us are mad today because God didn't give us our way? I've been mad at God. I've been mad at God. God, why is every one of my friends, everybody I know, having children? We can't have a child. That's exactly how I put it. And I didn't put it in spiritual language. I was mad. And God understood my heart. He didn't say a word. He didn't say in time. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He said nothing. Some of you, have you ever felt like God just not hearing you? Well, I'm not going to put the spiritual guilt and say, well, there's probably something wrong in your life. There could be. But let's not forget, between the end of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, there's 400 years that God didn't say a word. Maybe God just doesn't have anything to say to you right now. Maybe it's a time he wants you to just walk and look 
in faith, a spiteful heart. Then let's shift our gears a minute. What do y'all think about contestant number one? Looks pretty rough, doesn't it? By his own admission and volition, wouldn't you say it? Are you going to tell me God, everything in, it, in it's just going to work out? God loves everybody. Yeah, God loves everybody. He said Jesus. But do you think this guy went to heaven? Did God send him to hell? Jesus was dying for his sins. Literally feet away from him. And he chose to remain in that sin. And he died and went to hell. And now let's look on the other side. A man who was called the exact same thing as the first one. A criminal. But we see a broken sinner. He said in verse 40, but the other answering rebuked him. Saying, do you not fear God? He is looking at both his geographical setting. He's looking at his cultural setting. He's looking at his seminal setting. This man is a Jew raised in Israel under the son and king of David. He said, do you not fear God? God, seeing that you're in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, we deserve this, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done absolutely nothing. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You see, the view of the broken sinner was he realized his place. He was cursed. He was cursed in the sin that he had committed. Cursed in the sin he was born into. He was cursed in the federal sin of the Adamic Lineage. He was cursed in the personal sin that he had committed. He was cursed in the sinful nature that had passed from mom and dad unto him. He was cursed as he nailed, was nailed to the tree. And he said, I deserve this. Be real careful here because I pray it doesn't happen. But based on statistics, somebody in this room will die of cancer. Somebody in this room could die in a car wreck. Somebody in this room could die from a heart attack. Some, some could die on a plane, on the job, playing a game, walking to get your mail. But can I give you one statistic? It seems like it was, uh, it was either George Bernard Shaw or Ralph Waldo Emerson who said the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of every one born will die. One out of every one. For he's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. This man got it. He understood in the fullness of his life, he realized his place. He was cursed, hanging upon a cross he deserved. He understood his position. He was cursed by his sin, but he was cursed in his sin. You see, the criminal, that blasphemous criminal, wanted to defer the attention away from himself. Just whatever he could do to manipulate the system to get out of what he was in. He couldn't talk his way out of it. He couldn't mean it. You ever seen somebody who would sweet talk you to get, your, get their way? And when they couldn't get their way being sweet, then they'd turn vicious and ugly? This past week, I believe it was in Alabama, they put a cop killer to death. Yeah. Spot on. 
He killed a Montgomery police officer 20 years ago. And as they began to give him the lethal injection, you know what his last words were? He looked at those guards, he looked at the warden, and he looked at all the officials, and he said, I hate you. He said it twice and drew his last. That's the blasphemous criminal. To look in the very last moments of life and say, I hate you all. I hate you, God. I hate, listen, I hate the day I was born and every day since. But this broken sinner understood his position, that he was cursed in his sin. I got news for you. There's people on death row that the Lord has saved. You say, I just don't believe. I don't care if you believe it or not. And based on everything, I, listen, I know jailhouse religion. I work prisoners. I know. I've seen that jailhouse business. But what I keep going back to is the man God says was a man after his own heart killed a man to cover up his affair. And there's more written about him in the Bible, except for Jesus and Moses. And that's King David. The man who wrote more books in the New Testament than anyone else, that the Holy Spirit inspired, was an ancient day ISIS terrorist. But in the form of a Jew. In great zeal for his Yahweh, he killed Christians. name was Saul, but we know him as Paul. Don't tell me God can't save anyone. These two were equal in sin, but this one was broken, understanding his position. And what did he do? He repented of it. He said, I deserve it. I am a sinner. Oh, Lord, remember me. He didn't say Jesus. He didn't look up and say, hey, is that board true that you're the king of the Jews? He called him Lord. You see, he wasn't, he wasn't just giving him a title. He was accepting and receiving the truth which was allowing Jesus to sit on the throne of his heart so that one day he would see him sitting on his throne in heaven. He was repentant of his sin. And in that he recognized the Lord Jesus' power. But I'm going to die. There's nothing I can do about it. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to try. But I can do something about eternity. Not that I can work my way in. I can't convince Jesus. He didn't say, Jesus, you've got to remember me. He didn't do this, name it, claim it. Hey, you've got to answer me. You've got, he said, Lord, remember me. It was literally a cry of help. Please, Lord, remember me a sinner. And finally, we see the beautiful Savior. It's easy to look back now. Isn't it odd that on Easter's when we get the most dressed up? But it's fitting because Jesus didn't come out of the grave at 10 o'clock at night. He didn't come in the heat of the day at 2 p.m. He said very early. I'm going to tell you, deer season opened yesterday. And some of the most beautiful days I've ever seen on God's earth sitting in a deer stand watching the sun come up over the dew or the, the frost that had fallen during the night and see the sun glisten off of his creation. Oh, if you don't get it, I can't help it. You can't understand the beauty of God. 
But the truth is, what a dark moment this was. That the Son of God was about to die. Matter of fact, at the very moment he drew his last breath, what happened? The world was in utter darkness. For about three hours, I understand. Because there was no light. The light had gone out. The light that would be the life of man. But you see in this beautiful Savior we see in verse 43. And listen, I don't know what you're facing today, but I want you to hear what Jesus told the man who is willing to confess him and call him Lord and to act. You can't just call him Lord. You got to receive the fullness of that. Jesus said unto him, Truly, verily I say unto thee, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. Matt, Quoted loosely 2 Corinthians 6 2 today. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Today is the day of salvation. That day was the day of this broken sinner's salvation. But you see, Jesus knew he was born for the cross. I want you to get this for just a moment. This overwhelms me. Okay, this overwhelms me. Some of you children, y'all been learning in, in Sunday school about who was created on what day? Have y'all been learning about that? Or was that in We Ones? In We Ones. Yeah, one of the little kids come up to me and says, we were made on this day and this was made on this day. Well, think about it. You remember those, the six days? And one day, you know, God had spoke it all in and, and then we see all the other stuff on the different days, but I want you to think about this. Keith, I want you to think about this. Matt, we've climbed up in them old portable stands, you know, in the bottom fall, and you'd have to hug onto a tree and slide down. Man, we'd make tree huts. Y'all remember that? Nobody's ever made a tree hut? That's why we still like to deer hunt. We really hadn't grown up. It's not a deer stand, it's a tree hut. Because the bigger and fancy, we had one in Alabama. We had the walls carpeted. The guy that I hung with was a carpet layer. You, we always call the big ones condo stands. You know, everybody's got a con. This truly was. I mean, it was like had mini fridge, heater. I mean, this thing was it was ridiculous. But when God created every tree, you know that lesson I gave you a while ago on all the different trees. The gopher wood, first gopher wood tree, God knew he was going to tell Noah to build an ark with. The day God created those trees, he knew that one, through its lineage of seed, would grow a sapling that in its maturity would be hewn down and carved into the worst device ever created by man. God created the tree his son would hang and knew it when he did. When God formed the earth and through the erosion and all of the traumatic events of that flood, God knew there would be a mountain that stood there that resembled a skull. And he did it anyway, knowing his son would die there. Jesus, God in the flesh, knew as he created this world where he would die. And he went anyway. What a beautiful Savior. Born for the cross. Died for our curse. For Galatians 3.13 says that Jesus became our curse for us. For cursed is every man that hangeth upon a tree. Yet this one didn't see it. This one said, hey, hey, shut up. Do you not understand? We deserve it. But he doesn't. He's dying for us. We need to grasp the fullness of how beautiful our Savior is, dying that we may live.
Praise God. May we take our eyes in the last of this message off the cross. For even though I stand behind it today and kneel before it, it is when we cast our glance away. Geographically, I've stood there. And oh, the the tragedy, oh, the heartbreak, oh, the depth of sin. But out of the corner of my eye, I catch a glimpse. And there's flowers. And there's the aroma of a garden. And I turn my gaze and cast my stare upon an empty tomb. He has risen for our redemption. That criminal didn't care. This criminal didn't see it like we do looking back. But living evermore in the very presence of the one who died for him experienced the fullness of what resurrection power is. And so today, I want us to be real reverent right here for, for a few more minutes. This is the most important time of this service. They're going to come to the instruments. And as they do, without packing up, preparing to go, thinking about, I've got to get somewhere, I've got to do something, I want you to stop and say, what view? Do I have? Do I see Jesus as just a temporal fig, someone I can try to get out of something, or do I see him as my Lord and Savior who died for my sin? I am guilty. Am I blasphemous or am I broken? Do I see and grasp and experience the fullness? a beautiful Savior. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. Is that us today? It's at Calvary Church. It's at that cross we sing about. The man of sorrows bore the brunt for us. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is time, it is high time that you humble yourselves before the mighty hand of the wrath of God that was poured out on His Son and come and confess your sins and ask the Lord to forgive you and change you. It's time to stop being blasphemous in your walk. You've been born again. You know better. It's time to come and repent and say, Lord, make me, mold me, use me, forgive me. And you know what? The beauty of the Savior is He will do that if you'll give it to Jesus. Stand and come. Stand and come to Jesus this morning. Without hesitation, come. Truly this is the Son of God.